Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Great to have you here on the Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com and by Walter Carl Interactive at waltercarl.com. The Advertising Show, being a big radio midgets production, means you get an hour packed with uh, an incredible amount of information, and you'll probably smile a couple of times as well, maybe even laugh out loud, who knows. We've got uh, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth here, and uh, Michael Middleir out of, uh, actually, from Boston, but in L.A. this week, and the creative director of Viewpoint. We've got Michael for uh, a few segments here this weekend on the advertising show, and a bunch of stuff as well. Uh, the CEO hates it. That's what uh, Patrick Meyer is going to be talking about later on in the hour. Jeffrey Gittimer talks about testimonials. Jeffrey Gittimer is an incredible sales trainer. You may have heard about him and may read his books and see him in his presentations as well. And he's talking about testimonials uh, this time. They're uh, quite powerful. So mm-hmm. here it is. It's the weekend. We're spending time on the uh, on the show with you and uh, along with Michael and Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Brad, this past weekend, uh, this mm-hmm. past week, I should say, in Chicago, a risque billboard. I've got not one but two billboards, once in Chicago the other one is in Cincinnati, uh, hmm. and it's basically, I don't know whether you have seen this or not, it's a risque billboard promoting divorce has sparked surprise and outrage in some Chicago residents and divorce lawyers. <laughs> of course, if you're a divorce lawyer, I guess, why not? Yeah, bring it right. on. Billboard which features a physically fit man on one side, he would hmm. be on the right, hmm. and a buxom woman on the other, and I might say that she is also physically fit, uh, proclaims, life short, get a divorce. Hmm. The billboard provides a number for the firm of divorce lawyer. It's uh, uh, Corey Fetman. Corey Fetman. You know the guy. So uh, so Corey's looking to uh, promote divorce by showing that the fact that uh, there, there are more people out there, uh, and basically a lot of people are saying, talk about family values under attack. Hmm. Uh, basically, I think it's in poor taste. One of the ladies who uh, whose uh, office window looks out onto the billboard, and I kind of hmm. agree with her on that. What do you think? Well, what, you, what was she going to do, look over at another billboard and see a, uh, I don't know, a breast augmentation and realize that maybe she needs to get on the right side of the, her, her uh, relationship <laughs> I don't there? I think you, you should know, say appar- that about poor appar- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently the, uh, the lawyer did some research and probably found that most uh, divorces are initiated by the men, so he's appealing to all men yeah, and only, right. yeah. only those men that are wanting to uh, get their uh, new trophy wife. I don't know. It's, uh, the way you described it, Ray, it doesn't sound like... Uh, it sounds kind of like the female on that side is rather trashy. I don't know. Does she look the part? Or oh, she no, really... she's not at all trashy. No? She's just voluptuous. And they're all, mm. you know, they're saying that, uh, hey, it's it's a weird campaign. Yeah. But it but certainly has people same, talking about it, doesn't it? The same billboard in Cincinnati, you say? Oh, no. There's another billboard. Oh, I see. Do not know what they were thinking about here. It's the Big One billboards. Now, in the light of Don Imus, in the light of the uh, the, the guys on the radio talking about um, uh, making fun of Asian Americans and, right. and people getting real sensitive, probably mm-hmm. not the best of times, although I'm not sure I totally agree with the anger about this. Right. It's radio station WLW, which is a huge sure. radio huge. station. Big right. one billboards, a man wearing a sombrero, are being removed by the station after, after a protest by the Hispanic Chamber of Cincinnati, USA. Hmm. Uh, Alfonso. Cornejo, the 
I sure hope <laughs> I said that right. Probably Ooh. not. The chamber board president, who had delivered a hand-delivered a letter to the station last week, also is demanding a written apology and an explanation of the hateful campaign by the area's top-rated station. Mm. Come on, Alfonso. And, and of course, Juan is spelled J-A-U-N, but it sounds like one. One, exactly. He says perhaps yeah. someone at your station believes that there was humor in this hateful campaign, but rest assured, mm. this is not funny in the least, said the Chamber's letter. Wow. Uh, crudely depicted an ethnic stereotype of a Mexican-American. They do nothing to help our city or our people. Uh, what about the fact that uh, On the Border has a big Juan burrito on their <laughs> yeah. menu? What do you right. think about that, Alfonso? Yeah. Give right. me a break. Or the taco Enough. with the uh, chihuahua and the all chihuahua, that The chihuahua, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that give uh, Mexican-Americans a stereotypical... I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Enough is enough already. You know, Don yeah. Imus is, is suing the pants off of CBS and, and probably, uh, uh, I don't know. He'll probably win that deal. Or there'll be a settlement out of court, and he'll, he'll get some money out of it. Yeah, well, either way, yeah. he's not he's not losing. He made a mistake. But, my God, let's let's cut this stuff out already. Yeah. It's, well, it's you know, the stuff. loss for, for Imus is just the fact that he doesn't go to work and doesn't entertain anymore, and he has to stay at home. And I don't know that anybody else is going to pick him up at this late stage in his uh, career. No, I think so they will. I think they you will. Think? Oh, absolutely. Well, I think they you, will. I think you he's may be right. Uh, maybe uh, maybe the advertising show will pick him up. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, we've got, uh, who do we got? Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer on the advertising show. Let's listen. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. If you have to get a written testimonial because you can't get a video testimonial, here's what the written testimonial should say. The written testimonial should be phrased in a way that takes away risk or neutralizes a fear. It should be phrased in a way that shows a value or a specific enhancement. A testimonial should reinforce a claim. A testimonial should claim a a happy ending. There is the unspoken secret of testimonials. How do you get them? And the answer is the same as for referrals. You earn them. The difference with a testimonial is often you will have to earn them and ask for them. It's even okay to prompt the customer as to what to say or what you want them to say, if what you want them to say is the truth. The only thing worse than an exaggerated testimonial is the prospect who bought from you and found out that the testimonial was exaggerated. I can make you one promise about testimonials. No matter what form they're in, they work. I can also issue you this caution. They must be used in the proper manner or they lose their power. Oftentimes, salespeople use testimonials to get in the door. What are you thinking? Well, obviously, if that's your only way to do it, then do it. But the power of the testimonial is the proof that they offer at the time that the customer is ready to decide. Testimonials should be used at the end of the sales cycle to dispel any doubt, reduce all risk, substantiate value, and pave the way to the order. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Everybody. 
It's uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. Michael Middleear, or as we call him Mike, because we're good friends now, the creative director at Viewpoint, and we'll talk about Mike here in just a moment. Brad, you had something to add to that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Ray, have you seen these uh, commercials uh, Sally Fields is doing for Boniva? Yes, I have. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but every time I see those spots, uh, frankly, I, I feel that the delivery is a little bit, little bit insincere. Well, I think that's maybe a reflection of the copy, not Sally Fields, because she's a great actress. Yeah. Uh, but Cialis and Viagra, did they miss the opportunity by not calling either one of those products Bone Neva? <laughs> I'm just asking. I mean, Cialis, what does that have anything to do with uh, ED, what they call ED now? That's uh, absolutely nothing, and you're absolutely right. So. I keep hearing her say Boniva, and I'm thinking it doesn't have... For yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, my husband takes it. It's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike Middleir, creative director of Viewpoint. Uh, it's coming up next on the Advertising Show. Looking for your customer's email address? Rob Fitzgerald, who runs Walter Carl Interactive, says it's much easier and more profitable to reactivate an old or lost customer than to acquire a new one. An email append strategy and an email change of address program are the most successful and cost-effective ways to bring your offline customer communications online. How successful is email append? How about a 500% ROI? Bottom line, the lifetime value of customers who receive regular marketing emails is three to ten times higher than those who don't. For more on building an online customer retention program and finding those inactive customers with email append, go to appendservices.com. That's appendservices.com. Walter Carl Interactive, with over 8 million quality B2B and over 130 million consumer email addresses. Interactive marketing, multi-channel strategies, e-marketing databases, online customer acquisition solutions. Walter Carl Interactive. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Uh, these are the three largest selling soft drinks. Now, let's have a look and see what makes them so popular. Uh, as you can see, this one is a cola. It looks like a cola. No, Brad, we have some of that new. They, they reinvented 7-Up about a year or so ago. They took it off the shelves, came and brought it back, and it's actually pretty good. It tastes like the old 7-Up. Oh, well. It's uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. Mike Middleir is creative director of Viewpoint Creative. Michael serves as the uh, creative lead for all of the uh, Viewpoint Creative projects. His collaborative spirit and commitment to push the creative envelope have delivered real results and award-winning campaigns for the Viewpoint clients. Prior to joining Viewpoint in 99, Michael was VP of on-air advertising for the FX Network and creative director at HBO. At FX, he was instrumental in rebranding the network and also helped to develop campaigns promoting their first primetime originals and NASCAR. While at HBO, he also launched numerous HBO original movies, series, and specials. Hanging out in L.A., but uh, really, a home base is, uh, what did you say it was, Mike? Boston. Uh, Boston. Boston. Okay, yeah. very Hey, Mike, welcome to the advertising show. Good to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Good and... You know, uh, we, uh, one of our regular contributors to the advertising show who appears from time to time is Alex Ben Block, former, uh, uh, what was he, publisher, Ray, for uh, Television Week magazine. I and believe now, that's what his title was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so he, he's uh, a great, perhaps you know him, Mike, or you read about uh, Alex Ben Block, the man with three names? I'm actually not familiar with him. 
Well, I'll ask him if he's familiar with you, and we'll get a competition going here. Uh, listen, I think a lot of people, although we've done some background on Viewpoint Creative, I found it a very interesting uh, business model. Can you share with our audience, if you would, some background on Viewpoint Creative, what you guys do for a living? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, we're a creative agency. Um, we specialize uh, largely in the uh, uh, with entertainment clients and media clients. Um, we uh, do everything from television to print to uh, out of home to online and so forth, new media. Um, but we're different from a traditional agency in that we've got quite a uh, robust sort of in-house production capability. And when you say in-house, you mean TV studios, audio studios for, for radio? What, what exactly? Uh, everything, but uh, we don't have audio, but we have uh, you know, a, a stage, uh, a, a lot of uh, composite suites, editorial suites, and uh, 3D stations and, and a pretty big team of in-house designers and uh, writers and all of that. That's an interesting uh, concept. Why was it that you decided not to farm that out as most agencies do and have an in-house uh, production capability? You know, we, it, it, uh, it made, I think it's partially uh, working in the television industry. It's, it's always been a very... As long as I've been in it, an extremely nimble, fast, uh, moving place where uh, there's so much product that that goes through a network day in and day out, and um, you've got to be able to make changes uh, on a, on a dime. And if you farm it out, it's just you don't have enough time to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'd like to focus in on some of your uh, upfront presentations because I found that a unique part of what you guys do. And we're also going to uh, uh, get your thoughts on just the changes that are taking place in the television industry, and we're going to hold that for next segment. But meanwhile, you, you guys do what's called image spots for uh, upfront presentations. Describe, your, uh, you know, what you're creating there and how you go about it, if you would. Well, we, we basically make a... a Toolkit essentially that that um, the ad sales teams uh, for various networks can go out to advertisers and media buyers with to help um, them understand on on an emotional level what what the various offerings are of the network. We might be telling a uh, a, a story about. Um, their new original series. We might be telling a brand story. They may be adjusting their brand and want to convey that to advertisers. So we create these um, short video to, um, segments for them as they go out or do large presentations, which is the more traditional model. Um, we've also created uh, print and outdoor campaigns um, for focused in the New York City area, which is where the upfronts are held. And um, so that a network can really kind of get their uh, get on the radar of advertisers. And so um, it's interesting. Some of your clients, I guess, uh, some of the uh, cable networks, I would imagine. Yes, uh, a lot of the cable networks. Um, everyone from uh, HBO to ESPN to uh, Discovery and, and, and a whole lot of other folks as well. Any creative considerations when you think about how your audience is a bit more jaded when it comes to you know who you're presenting to media buyers, advertisers, and so forth? Um, I, you know, I don't know if they're jaded. I think that they do get uh, the big presentations that have been historically the way um, upfronts have been done 
are, are for for some they they go on too long. It's too much about the entertainment end, and I think that uh, media buyers and advertisers are um, they they are looking for the networks to tell them more things about what they're doing online and in new media. Um, I think that um, the, it's sort of beholden for the networks to, to um, get out there and speak to media buyers on a more ongoing basis, mm-hmm. um, just because things are changing so rapidly out there. And uh, in the old days, when you did an upfront, it, 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 you had a few networks with a very predictable schedule of programming. And so if you were an advertiser, you knew exactly you know, what shows you wanted to be associated with, and, and you went out and you bought that, that space up front. Now you just, as an advertiser, you don't, you want to maybe be more flexible because the shows might be changing, they might not be successful. You want to, you want to be able to adapt to what's going on in the television landscape. Yeah, and certainly the uh, the space is not as crowded as it once was. You had some major dropouts from the upfront, uh, P&G as an example, and others. But uh, uh, and as a result, sometimes it just makes better sense to buy later, I suppose, instead of uh, upfront as we they've traditionally done. When I mentioned that about jaded group, I really just meant the fact that buyers and advertisers have seen all these presentations before, uh, and when they're buying or asked to to buy new programming. Uh, or look at new programming and consider that for a, a fall buy. Uh, you know, you got to figure out, I would imagine, Mike, how to do it differently because these people have seen it all before. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's uh, very true, I, and I think that um, they're also expecting um, a much more in-depth relationship with the network and with programming. They want to be able to um, uh, go online. With the programming, as the, and as obviously the networks themselves are are aware that many viewers are starting to migrate into different areas, and they want to be there with them and create more engaging experiences. So, um, for the materials that we create, um, a lot of it's about messaging, about uh, creating a, a, a real um, communication between the, the network and the advertiser. And I think it used to be a much more one-way conversation and i think it's really about as it's happening in in you know with just consumers and uh advertisers in general consumers are becoming empowered and they want to be able to engage more with the brand our special guest here on the advertising show is mike middleir creative director of viewpoint creative out of Boston, and uh, Mike's with us uh, this weekend out of L.A. We've got Mike for a couple more segments. The advertising show being powered by Shipple.com. That's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And a very powerful marketing platform called Tendency. Check it out. That's Shipple and his gang take great uh, care of the advertising show. Back with uh, Ray Shovels and Brad Forsyth here in just a moment. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
stupid than dirt. Welcome back to the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and our special guest out of Boston, Mike Middleary, is creative director at Viewpoint Creative, teaching uh, folks how to do it a little bit better, a little bit different. Mike, welcome back to the Advertising Show. Nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, before we jump into talking about this year's Upfront, as well as uh, just changes taking place in the television industry, I understand, Mike, you've had some real creative challenges when being asked to create presentations for programs that shall we say, are still a bit early in development? Yes. Well, um, as you guys well know, uh, reality programming has become uh, a big, big force on the uh, network landscape. And, and many of the times those uh, types of programs are sold as a really wonderful concept, but um, there's really nothing to show in time for the uh, upfront presentation. So there have been situations where we have... Uh, almost created a small uh, a taste of the show, if you will, a two- to three-minute segment of, of what this show might be like based on really as much information as we could gather. Um, and, and fortunately, because we've got the in-house resources and whatnot, we can um, develop something akin to what the show might be. Which has definitely got to be a challenge when you're working off of either a script or a concept or what, maybe a headshot of some of the stars so we of the I mean, pro- typically we will get uh, the core concept of the show. We might be leveraging the producer who who's, uh, may have some name cachet. And um, if we know that it involves a... Um, you know, um, uh, some sort of situation out out in, in wherever it might be. We might send a camera crew out there and 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 try to recreate it. We can do an awful lot with our graphics as well to um, uh, express the concept of the programming. And um, you know, we're just trying to create the emotional context for the show for for uh, potential buyers on it. Um, and. Um, so that's that is always a bit of a hair raising um, situation, but um, but it usually works out pretty well. Yeah, well, I can see why uh, the networks have to tap unique uh, resources that know what they're doing in that regard. And I'm, I imagine that there are not a lot of companies out there that can actually do what you guys do for uh, for your clients. Let's talk a little bit about this year's upfront. I know that one of the, it's expected to be one of the more difficult upfront periods in history. And until uh, more recently, ratings have always been based on programming, and now ratings are. Uh, expected to switch and to be based on ratings that audience size of those watching commercials as opposed to watching programming. What do you expect uh, to see in this year's upfronts in terms of things playing out here in the next few weeks? Well, I mean, there's been, there's always a lot of jockeying, I think, that goes on about how the audience is being measured, and I think you'll you'll find that the the networks will say that uh, people who are watching on DVRs, for example are uh, watching commercials, and, and you'll hear studies trotted out that say, you know, and give a percentage, and and then you might hear folks on the other side saying, well, no, we think that they, they our studies show there's more skipping going on. Um, so, uh, you know, but I think at the end of the day, the network um, networks are still a, a great place for advertisers to be. I mean, you know, uh, on average, uh, Americans are watching... 30 hours plus a week, um, it's, it's still uh, a very strong medium for reaching a lot of eyeballs. 
Yeah, you know, you touched on the, the DVR TiVo issue, and this year I understand for the first time some advertisers are actually expected to agree to pay for some audience uh, which watches on a DVR and not a live platform. And I guess the question becomes, you know, how much uh, of the delay are you paying for? Is it going to be same day, one day, three days, seven days? And I guess the jury's still out on that, huh, Mike? As far as I can tell, it, it very much is, and it sounds like um, networks will all be kind of negotiating their own, uh, you know, each of the deals could be different. Um, it doesn't sound like there's a common currency right now. And, and uh, this year's upfronts, uh, are they being impacted by the developments in new media channels that we're all hearing about? Um, well, absolutely. I mean, they're all, all networks are trying to um, get across the message that they are you know, they're all aware of the power of YouTube. Their, um, um, create, you know, their content is, is becoming more and more available online. They're trying to create engaging experiences for, uh, consumers, um, online and new media so that they, their programming can migrate over and, and create new experiences that, that add to the experience, I guess. And so, um, that message is, is certainly being incorporated into all the upfront messaging, and I think that um, you're also seeing um, ongoing kind of um, rolling ad sales events, you know, uh, that are, are being created, not necessarily just the big upfronts, but an ongoing um, smaller events that, that networks are starting to do where they can really uh, sit down on a smaller basis with, with media buyers and let them know what the possibilities are for becoming part of the network's endeavors to, to take to to uh, entertain the audience in new mediums, and what are the possibilities for product placement, and what are the possibilities for sponsorships? So I think you're starting to see um, smaller. You know, some of the networks are are no longer choosing to do the large uh, upfront presentations in, in lieu of, uh, rather, choosing to do smaller ongoing affairs. Our special guest is uh, Mike Middleier, Creative Director at Viewpoint Creative out of Boston. And we've got uh, Mike for one more segment here on the Advertising Show. I'm with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Glad you're listening. How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, but your aching head and stomach hear this message from old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, 
Time flies when you have a great guest like we do today. Mike Middleair is a creative director at Viewpoint Creative out of Boston. Mike, uh, got you for one more segment. Welcome back to the Advertising Show. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, and you know, you were just talking about uh, migration of audience from traditional television to other channels, and uh, wanted to just get your take on what networks are doing today, Mike, to combat audience losses. Well, um, you certainly um, there's uh, product placement is, is certainly one of the big forces going on. It's it's no longer uh, about placing the product in the background on a shelf. That product is now becoming a, a, a potent part of the plot um, or a, certainly a part of the storyline. Um, uh, in other situations, um, networks are working to adver- with advertisers to have an advertiser sponsor an entire, um, entire program or series. And, and um, there's just more and more ways for the content and the advertised product are, uh, to blur, essentially. And, and make it a more meaningful engagement uh, for for the consumer. You know, they just you know make it something that they don't want to click away from or don't want to skip. Yeah, you know, several years ago, I guess Ray, it was uh, Philips Electronics that uh, went out on a limb and did some some sponsorship of some TV programs. And uh, I guess it's kind of like some of your earlier uh, product placements. It, I think it well, had a lot of meaning back like that, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had a lot of meaning uh, when they first started doing that, and now you see that still. Uh, but uh, I guess you know it even goes as far back as the Hallmark uh, TV programs that they do that they did for many many years over over the past many decades, uh, and limiting the commercials uh, within those uh, great great movies that they've created. Uh, Mike, most of us, of course, either have as Ray and I do, or know someone who has a DVR or TiVo. Describe for us, if you would, some of the ways networks are providing advertisers with a way to connect with viewers, even when viewers can now skip commercials altogether. Well, I, I, I think we're seeing things like um, networks creating um, bumps out of a show that that might advertise a product, but are in some way connected to the show that you're watching. So I'll just take, for example, a makeover show, and then you might go to an oil of Olay or, or some sort of makeup tip so that there's a real connection uh, between what you're going into and it's providing this audience that's primed for information that they are eager to know. I, I think that's a, that's a, a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I believe CW is doing that quite effectively. Yeah, and and just uh, do you think traditional TV as we know it today will still be around ten years from now, Mike? I I I think that traditional TV in did you say thirty years? No, ten years. Uh, ten years. I I think that it's going to be more and more like the um, the online experience. I think you'll be. Uh, more and more in control of uh, more like a video on demand situation. Um, uh, I think you'll be allowed to watch it passively if you so choose, but I think you'll be able to go in and uh, interact with it. I think you'll have the option, but I really don't have a great read on on how that's going to play out. I do know that it's a a medium that continues to be an effective one, a great one for reaching many, many, many eyeballs. Um, 
and uh, so I wouldn't count it out. I think people really enjoy their their television experience. It's obviously going to have to change, though. Uh, we all agree about that, that's for sure. Yeah. On uh, the advertising show, it's viewpointcreative.com, by the way. Check it out. It's a great website. A lot of cool philosophies and uh, good stuff to go along with that viewpoint creative. Mike Middle Ear, our special guest. Michael, it's been uh, good having you today. So nice to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. Continued success. Back in just a minute with more. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. You know me. Would you believe I'm Bugs Bunny? I'm also the voice of many other cartoon characters. But in here, they don't care if I'm Elmer Fudd. So I carry an American Express Thanks again to Mike Middleir out of uh, Boston with uh, Viewpoint Creative, viewpointcreative.com. It's a cool website. A lot yeah. of good stuff. Uh, looking forward to next week, we've got Lois Kelly, founder of Foghound. What's a foghound? Well, go to the website and find out, okay? Foghound.com. Uh, 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 she is also the co-author of a book called Beyond the Buzz or Beyond Buzz, the next generation of word-of-mouth marketing. Mm-hmm. So we've got Lois on next week as well. Yeah. And uh, just a couple of minutes away from Patrick Meyer joining us here on the advertising show when the CEO hates the idea. It's probably a good one. <laughs> Could yeah, it that, be that never happens, does it, Brad? No. Oh, no. They always love, especially marketing and advertising concepts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I have something here that is close to uh, both of our hearts. It's called mm-hmm. smoking or not smoking. Worse yeah. yet, teens smoking. It absolutely floors me, makes me sick. Right. And makes them sick, too. The more, cigarette, right. uh, the more cigarette marketing teens are exposed to in retail stores, this comes from Reuters, the more likely they are to smoke. Researchers uh, reported this past week in a U.S. study they said supports hmm. even tighter restrictions on tobacco ads. Well, I how don't about agree with that? that? I think it's the uh, movie people, the people they look up to in movies that are smoking cigarettes that make kids want to smoke. Ah, it's not okay. spots, okay. do you think? Well, it's not necessarily spots. It's what the tobacco marketers are doing, basically. Our, oh, our well, studies that shows so. the marketing of cigarettes in places where teens shop clearly increases their cigarette use. That is uh, Sandy Slater of Bridging the Gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, restricting these marketing practices would reduce youth smoking. I totally agree with that. They monitored smoking rates and examined promotions such as cigarette point-of-sale advertising. You see it everywhere. Cigarette price, right. multi-pack discounts. Uh, such practices make up more than 90% of the 13 billion dollars that cigarette manufacturers spent on marketing in 05 hmm. and uh, they say removing the point of sale cigarette advertising in communities with a moderate level of such advertising uh, 2.5 and on a five point scale would reduce the number of teens experimenting with cigarettes by 11.25 percent hmm. anything that's a downtrend is a, is a good thing so yeah well you know uh we're staying with the movie idea not so many years ago uh, the tobacco companies without having any way to back this up and put it in writing, we're paying off uh, a lot of the directors and producers of major uh, motion pictures to have their actors smoking in programs. And so you had non-smoking actors that actually had to smoke within, uh, I said programs, movies, uh, because the kids would look up and say, well, look, he's smoking there as a character so-and-so, and and they assume that they smoke once they're off the set, but in many cases they don't. But, you know, what you said about cost and so forth, I can't imagine a young kid, you know, I wasn't going to smoke, but those two packs for $1.50, I'm going to (laughs) smoke. I don't get that. I don't know. Making it harder to get them is probably not a big thing, I guess. Maybe, uh, I don't hey, know. Anything to, b- anything booze to was supposed to be illegal, too, for you and me, but we somehow found a beer or two, didn't we? That's true. 
Yeah. That's true. Hand me one of those. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, well, we're 21 now. We can do that. <laughs> yes, we can. Way more than 21. Yeah. We have Patrick Meyer on the advertising show. Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today, I'm going to talk to you about what to do if your CEO doesn't like your advertising and marketing. In the ivory tower, whether it's client or agency head, someone 50-plus who drives a Jag or a Mercedes hasn't been in a club in 20 years, and all of a sudden, he doesn't like the advertising and the marketing, it's actually a good sign. That means that young people will scream with delight when they see what you've got coming. Let me give you an example. In advertising age, Rance Crane and Garfield talking about VW advertising, condemning it. I actually think that's probably a good sign. If you've seen the new GTI stuff, it's great stuff. It's strategically grounded in taking a VW advantage on German engineering versus Asian cars and bringing it to life in a compelling, intriguing, and fun way. It's geared for millennials to make them sit up, take notice, embrace it, and they are doing that. Consumers and focus groups love this stuff. Of course, it's not right for a 55-plus executive who's reviewing it. Here's what we've done over the years that works really well. Make sure you start with consumers and what do they want and film it. Then when you create new options, new packaging, new ideas, take them to consumers and film it again. So when you go forward to talk to your management and you share where you're going, you show the video. One time with one of the soft drink leaders, we had four urban teens in his conference room talking about why they love the advertising. It took that kind of move to get management to say, got it, let's go. So if you're marketing to millennials, don't be scared off by a CEO bad reaction. Anticipate it and get past that. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show with uh, looking ahead next week to Lois Kelly, Kelly founder of Foghound, also a former a senior VP at the Weber Group and a co-author of a book called Beyond Buzz, The Next Generation of Word-of-Mouth Marketing. They do a lot of stuff on their website, too, as well, uh, that they've got some uh, like e-publications and some papers that they put out there, too. So it's good stuff. What's, what website's that? Well, Brad, that would be... Foghound.com. Well, it's foghound.com uh, slash Beyond Buzz. Yeah. Slash. they got that slash going. I think slash. they should have their own... Uh, dedicated site for Beyond Buzz. We'll talk to Lois about that. Yeah, we can possibly help her out with that, too, you know. What, so. are we on web development now? I hope not. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> hey, Ray, I, I don't know if you heard about this. Cox Communications customers will soon have access to on-demand programming from ABC and ESPN, but it'll come with a price. Yeah. Watching all the commercials, the deal requires yeah. Cox to nix the fast-forward feature that allows viewers to skip commercials for ABC hit shows and ESPN football games. Uh, and it's a first of its kind, Ray. The advertiser-friendly deal, uh, they suggest, could make it more palatable for networks to make their uh, more popular programs available on demand free instead of the 99 cents per episode they charge as they yeah. do today. So uh, I don't know about you, but... You and I both have DVRs, and skipping commercials, we shouldn't do that, but we do we because do it's a time times. issue. It is it's really, a time issue. Yeah, yeah, but there are, there are those out there that I can see, oh, that's a benefit. Absolutely. But, yeah, but sometimes you and I will zip back and actually watch a commercial because it caught our attention, exactly, right? Exactly, like the, yeah. the M&M's. Uh, Adam's Family commercial, I don't know whether you mm-hmm. saw that or not, but that is the top ranked <laughs> on the index of uh, something to whatever. It's 180. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of split on that. You know, I, I may watch commercials. Of course, I like that kind of stuff, too. That's kind of weird. But, um, right. That's what you do for a living. Yeah, so that's probably why I watch them. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks again to Michael Middleear, Creative Director at Viewpoint uh, Creative out of Boston, and looking forward to talking with Lois Kelly, who is a co-author of Beyond Buzz, The Next Generation of Word of Mouth Marketing. We'll get a chance to talk with her next week on the Advertising Show, which is being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com and by Walter Carl Interactive at waltercarl.com. That's Carl with a K, by the way. The Advertising Show is a big radio midget production.